You're listening to SBS News. Menindee is a small outback town in New South Wales, near the state border with South Australia. And this is where a lonely tomb bears the name of an Afghan man, who arrived in Melbourne in 1860. This is the story of Tost Mahomet, who seems to be the first documented Afghan migrant to Australia. It was not rare to see camels in the Australian desert at the end of the 19th century, and these were accompanied by people nicknamed Gans, short for Afghan. The quest to find the first Afghan person to migrate to Australia is linked to the story of these cameliers. But it also raised a question that will come often when looking for early migrants. Who comes from where? People from a large area spanning from Afghanistan to eastern India were then referred by ambiguous words that beg the question. Who was an Afghan? Dr. Dave Phoenix of James Cook University comments on the word Afghan. That's a much later word. That doesn't uh, appear anywhere in the 1860s. They were called Sepoys, Sawars, Laskars, Asiatics, Indians, East Indians, Parsis, Sindians and Malays. So working out where they were from is yeah, difficult. Dave is a specialist on the Burke and Willis expedition, the earliest expedition to use camels in 1861. It employed two men, either of whom could qualify as the earliest Afghan migrant, Beluk Khan and Dost Mohammed. But Dost seems to be the one who actually came from what we now call Afghanistan. In the contract, they wrote down their name and where they were from. Mohammed Dost said he was a son of Moat Mohammed from the Zilla of Ghazni. Um, Zilla being the, you know, the county or the district, a subdivision. So Dost Mohammed's from Ghazni which is now in Afghanistan. Yan Hay is the director of the Royal Geographical Society, and he tells us more about how Dost Mohammed came to Australia. Dost Mohammed uh, was the first Afghan cameleer in Australia, and uh, he was brought across here by George Landells. Now, Lord George Landells, uh, he was in India during the Afghan war, and he was based at Peshawar near the Indian-Afghan border. And it was about that time the Victorian colonial government was really interested in uh, using camels. Landells went to Peshawar and he bought 24 camel camels and he engaged three men to handle them. And the head man was Dost Mohammed. George Landells is the first link between Dost Mohammed and Australia, and the two men appear to have been in good terms. Yense Landells was a colourful character. The story goes that um, when he came ashore at um, Port Melbourne, he uh, dressed himself up in the uh, Afghani costume with the cameleers and paraded through the streets. So who was Dost Mohammed? Yane observes he came from a family with a certain status. Well, he was the son of a mullah. And at the time of his employment with Landells, he was 45 years old. In fact, the Victorian Public Record Office has the original employment contract written in diary, dated uh, March uh, 1860, and an English translation. Another document mentions his birth date as 1839, which would have made him much younger, at 22 years old when he arrived in Australia. He came as part of a group of eight men, only four of whom stayed, a number soon reduced to two, as Dave tells us. One, the young guy, Samla, was a Hindu and couldn't eat the rations that the expedition provided, so he only lasted a couple of days. 
and he went back to India. There was Isa Khan, who stayed with the expedition as far as Swan Hill before he became ill. He returned to Melbourne and then returned to India. The only two Kameliers to follow the Burke and Wills expedition were Beluk Khan, who came from Uttar Pradesh in India, and Dost Muhammad. But the expedition was not remembered as a success, as explained by Dr. Jono Linin, curator at the National Museum of Australia. The expedition was a catastrophe. And there is a, a bit of a history of great failures in Australian history, starting with Burke and Wills. In the 19th century, there was a lot of competition between, uh, between colonies around this idea of exploration. Jono thinks the two cameleers, Dost and Beluk, found themselves in the middle of a rivalry between Australian colonies. The whole thing was based on ego. It was based on Victoria's ego compared to South Australia's ego. It was all about who would be the first colony to actually traverse the continent. There was, there was going to be a lot of prestige in that. Beluk came to be highly regarded and enjoyed his time. Dost, however, was held in contempt by explorer Burke. Burke was a horseman who did not like the idea of camels in the first place. George Landles supported Dost Muhammad. But Jono says Landles was left out of the expedition, which was probably a big loss for Dost Muhammad. When Burke was initially appointed as leader, Landels was his second in command. But when they got to, to Menindi, there was actually a confrontation between Landels and Burke, and Burke fired him. Landels spent 12 years in India, uh, so he would have been communicating with the, with the sepoys. But who was communicating with them after this? Dave Phoenix says during the expedition, Dost Muhammad was left behind in Cooper's Creek and was replaced as camelier by a man called John King. King had no experience with camels, but Burke had little respect for the animals and argued anyone who can ride a horse could handle them. Dost Mohammed went the furthest on the expedition with Burke and Wills. He went to Cooper's Creek, but Burke had little time for Dost Mohammed and his expertise with camels. And so when Burke took off to the Gulf of Carpentaria, he put John King in charge of the camels and he left Dost Mohammed behind at the depot camp. They spent a bit over three months during the summer in the heat and the dust and the flies. There, according to Dave, Things went sour for Dost Muhammad when he started arguing with the man left in charge of the depot, William Bry. It looks like William Bry and Dost Muhammad fell out. Dost Muhammad was very keen on shooting ducks and birds and provided food for the first few days, but the consistent shooting of guns scared the ducks away and they became quite rare. Dost Muhammad became quite introverted. He suffered from scurvy and was quite ill. And at one stage, William Bra punches him in the mouth and breaks one of his teeth and then drags him around and forces him to work. So clearly, uh, William Bra and Dost Muhammad not, are not getting on well. In the end, Brian and Dost were part of a group that departed for Melbourne. But on the 3rd of January 1862, while in Menindee, an incident with a camel left him crippled. One of the, the large male camels, Nero, picks him up by the arm or by the elbow, shakes him like a cat would shake a mouse, uh, dislocates his elbow and damages his, his arm so that he uses, loses the use of his arm. He, they believe he's going to die. He is such a... a ferocious attack that they think Dost Muhammad might die in, in Menindi. He's cared for by a doctor and eventually when he's well enough to travel, he certainly can't ride a horse because his arm's in such a bad way. They put him in a cart, they take him down and put him on the steamer and then the mail coach to, to Melbourne. He was luckier than Burke and Wills themselves, who died before they could come back from their expedition. Beluk, the other camelier, found himself alive in Australia and Dost remained his friend.
Dave found traces of Belouk marrying and deciding to stay, even changing his name to the anglicized Belok Knight. And I have his marriage certificate, and, and Dost Mohammed was his was his witness or his best man at the at the wedding. They got married at a church near Princess Bridge in the middle of Melbourne. Balich Khan had a, obviously had a, a great affinity for Australia. He was well respected uh, amongst many of the explorers. As per Dost himself, the story goes that he went back to Menindee, where he worked in the bakery of a man called William Archie, potentially himself of Chinese ancestry. Yen thinks Dost would have been adverse to going back to Afghanistan, where his status as a cripple would have made it difficult for him to make a living, and thus preferred the relative comfort of Australia. He was paid £200 compensation, and I suspect the £200 was a, a bit of an incentive to stay in Australia at that time, whereas the wages back in Afghanistan wouldn't, if they were wages at all, that he could get as a handicapped camelier. The Exploration Committee also granted Dost Mohammed £60 per year of work, which was exactly half the wage of a European worker. In a letter to the governor of Victoria, Dost complained that Lendl's had wanted him to be paid the same as Europeans. Today, a tomb in the vicinity of Menindee bears the name of Dost Mohammed, mentioning that he died in 1880. It has been known locally as the tomb of the Arab since at least the late 19th century, illustrating once more how ambiguous was the terminology used at the time to qualify the origin of people. This would make Dost Mohammed the first documented Afghan to migrate permanently. But Dave Phoenix challenges the story of the grave. By 1881, another like 20 years later, there's this grave outside Menindee, which for 50, uh, for 70 years is just called the Arab's grave. See, by 1880, there are a lot of Afghan camel handlers in Australia. And then by 1951, they decide to restore the grave. And Frank Clune, who wrote a book about Birkin Wills, Frank Clune was quite a colourful character, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. And so in 1951, when Darlingshire Council restore the grave, it suddenly gets the name Dost Mohammed put on it. Dave thinks Dost Mohammed's experience was so bad he may have wanted to go back home. He found a letter from Dost asking authorities to send him home, but cannot prove he actually left. Yeah, he gets somebody else to write on his behalf. He begs to go home. They give him his money. They give him a ticket. Why would he change his mind? He's paid out £300, so he's quite wealthy. They buy a ticket for the steamer uh, on the Friday, and the steamer sails on the Saturday. They give the ticket to Dost Mohammed on the Friday night, but he doesn't appear in the passenger list. That's my only bit. Dost Mohammed's name doesn't appear on the passenger list. Dost Mohammed seems to be the first confirmed Afghan person to have a significant life experience in Australia. But his story also reminds us how difficult it is to assert who stayed and who left. His memory remains as an important testimony on the life of early migrants. And the question of who first settled from Afghanistan to Australia permanently may remain open. I am Julien Oyer from SBS, bringing this podcast series to you. Each episode is about the earliest documented person to settle in Australia permanently that we managed to identify from each community. If you are aware of someone who settled even earlier, or the first migrant from any other community, we would love to hear from you and welcome your story. Please write to us at radio.news at sbs.com.au. 